What's up, guys? This is Blake, host of the That You May Know Him podcast, and welcome back to Two for Ten, the show where we study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. Hey, before we jump in to today's verse, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking on the bell just to the bottom right of this screen. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, the That You May Know Him podcast. It's available on every major podcasting app, Apple iTunes, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Echo, TuneIn, all of them. Head to our website, thatyoumayknowhim.com forward slash listen. You'll find links to our show in all those podcasting apps and many more besides that. All right, guys, in today's episode of 2 for 10, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where Jesus is going to address the church at Smyrna. The last three episodes, we've been going through the verses, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, where Jesus addresses the church at Ephesus. Now we're working to the second church that Jesus addresses, the church at Smyrna. They had a set of very real circumstances going on. There was some outward persecution, and they, they were facing some real outward persecution, and they were more or less paying a price to stay faithful to Jesus. What can we learn from this amazing church's struggle? Let's look. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 go like this. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. That's Jesus. I know your your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. That was Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Look, guys, in verse 8, we see to the angel of the church at Smyrna. I've actually already talked about what it means that Jesus doesn't just write to a church. He doesn't just speak to them through his disciple John. He actually addresses the angel of the church, and he does this to all seven churches. That discussion about this phrase that Jesus will use five more times after this in this book is from 2 for 10, episode 13. You can go back and watch that video, listen to that episode on the podcast if you haven't already. There's resources in the show notes from that episode that uh, discuss this. Introduction to the, some books that we put in the show notes, an introduction to angels, what the Bible says about angels and the spiritual realm. Another book we recommended is in there. Check that out. Also, Jesus describes himself once again as the first and the last, the one who died and came to life. This is also not the first time Jesus has used words like this to describe himself in the book of Revelation. Our discussion on that is from 2 for 10, part 9, where Jesus, we're given rather a description of the risen Christ and all the implications for the description of his physical appearance, his white hair, his dress, his feet, everything about it. So if you haven't listened to that episode or if you want to know the implications of Jesus being referred to as the first and the last, go back and check out 2 for 10, episode 9. Let's get in now to Revelation chapter 2, verse 9, where Jesus says to the church at Smyrna, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. 
It's the first thing we want to talk about. Look, there is a tension all through the Bible and particularly all through the New Testament between two things. On the one hand, we see God presented all through Scripture as a faithful provider, as the one who upholds and sustains his people, as the one who wants to bring his people into the promised land, the land that's flowing with milk and honey, as the one who will never see his children begging bread. We see all through Scripture this image being, this picture being painted that God is a faithful, loving Father who provides for his people, who wants truly all of his people to prosper and be in health. We see another picture all through the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, where Jesus says something like this, it will be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, those who will, who literally desire to be rich, fall into evil, into temptation, and into a snare, and pierce themselves through with many pangs. We, Christians, should learn, according to the Apostle Paul, to be content with whatever it is that we have, knowing that we brought nothing into this world and that we can take nothing out of it. What do we make of this? Look, the Bible gives us two very different pictures for a reason because we're supposed to hold them in tension. Christians who are obsessed with riches and with getting wealthy and with prospering, Christians who are obsessed with the prosperity gospel are going in the wrong direction. As are Christians who are obsessed with poverty, as if being impoverished is somehow going to give you spiritual brownie points or being poor and being needy is somehow going to store up for you for you treasures in heaven. Look, Jesus is clear. Our treasures are are in heaven. We're not supposed to store up treasures here on earth where moth and rust corrupt. But storing up treasures in heaven does not mean that we should take a vow of poverty or that somehow being poor is more noble than having your needs met. No, there's two different pictures that are given to us in the Bible for a very important reason. We're supposed to hold them in tension. This life is not about getting rich and it's not about being poor either. It's about being spiritually rich. It's about storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. It's about seeking first the kingdom of God. That passage from Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you, shouldn't be read like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. All the emphasis in that passage is not on all the things that God will do to provide for his people. It's on seeking first the kingdom. That is truly what it means to be rich in the eyes of the Lord. To be rich in the eyes of God is to live in fellowship with him, in relationship with him, where you just know that he will always take care of you and provide for you. And you don't question his goodness, his motives, his provision, whether you have a lot or whether you are going through a more difficult time. And you have to learn to be content. You know, one of the most misused verses in the Bible is when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's from the book of Philippians. 
You know what he's talking about in that passage? He's learned both how to abound and how to be abased. He's learned to have much and he's learned to suffer and to have little. He's learned in all things to be content with the Lord, knowing that the Lord is worth more than any physical blessings he could ever have, any temporal blessings he could ever have. That is the way that Jesus wants his people to walk. And that's the way we're called to think about money and material possessions. I had a Christian say to me once, well, didn't Jesus die to make us rich? Well, look, the type of riches that Jesus wants to give us are not necessarily physical riches. And sadly, there are far too many Christians, especially in the West, who take verses like that out of context and spend their entire lives and most of their time and energy trying to accumulate wealth. And sadly, they're going to realize one day, hopefully, It's before the day of judgment, they're going to realize that all that time spent trying to store up wealth was all for naught because you cannot take it with you. Okay, let's deal with the next thing that Jesus says in verse 9. First, he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. It's interesting that Jesus, one more thing, says to the church at Smyrna, I know your poverty, but don't forget you're rich. What does that mean? You're impoverished physically, but you're rich spiritually. That's the way, that's the right way to think about money, about riches, the way Jesus tells us to think about riches. They're spiritual. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Look, this is very simple to understand. The church at Smyrna was dealing with persecution from outside the church. And the people in their case that were more or less stirring up the persecution, stirring up the Roman Empire to attack the Christian church at Smyrna was the people who attended the local synagogue. That's right, the local Jewish community. Look, Christian and Jewish relations are are, are sadly riddled with, with sin and with wrong behavior. The Christian church for far too long did not do right by Jewish people. And even to this day, there's a popular theology out there called replacement theology that teaches that the church has replaced Israel and that being Jewish has no special meaning in the eyes of God. That's wrong. We are called Christians to always be open, to always have hands extended to the people of God, to the Jewish people. Hopefully, to invite them to receive Messiah as their Lord. Truly, the gospel came first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. But before any of the Christian persecution of Israel and of the people of Israel began, Jews were the ones who were persecuting Christians. In the first century, the Jews had a special sort of place carved out in Roman society. Rome was a... Was a Nation where all religions were accepted, right? Where polytheism was not only sort of the law of the land, it was expected of everybody. The most dangerous religions to the eyes of the Romans were religions that only worshipped one God, right? The Roman, the Roman government and the Roman rulers wanted to sort of ingratiate all these different cultures and all these different religions and all these different people from all these different countries they had conquered and blend them all together so that everyone would feel welcome and at home in Roman society. But they respected Jewish religion, even though it was monotheistic, because it was ancient. 
And so the Jewish religion in the definitely around the turn of the century had this sort of special exemption from the Roman government. They didn't really make Jews do things that they made a lot of other monotheistic religious people do, which is namely worship all the gods, worship the emperor. Well, when the Jews realized that the Christians were going around and sort of stirring up trouble, more or less giving them a bad name, they made a point of saying, hey, those Christians, they're not Jews at all. They're not a Jewish sect. They're something completely different. And by the turn of the century, what you found was many Jewish synagogues and local Jewish leaders inciting the Romans against the Christians. And that's exactly what you see here. The church at Smyrna in the early to mid-2nd century was one of the main pastors, the bishop of Smyrna, was a man named Polycarp. He was martyred for his faith in Jesus by the Roman Empire, and it was the local Jewish synagogue that incited them against him and that eventually caused him to be turned over to the Romans for being a Christian and for refusing to worship the emperor. But look, the point is this. Jesus is about to commend the church at Smyrna and to encourage them to stay faithful. And the the verses we're going to look at in our next episode of 2 for 10, Jesus is going to tell them, look, you're about to go through it. You're about to suffer real persecution for my namesake, but stay faithful. Stay faithful unto death, he'll say, and I will give you the crown of life. We'll get into the implications of those words and all that they mean in the next episode. But for now, let's remember, let's remember two things. Riches are spiritual. Real treasure is stored up in heaven. And Jesus wants us always to hold these two things in tension. God is a faithful provider who will always take care of his children. And that's why we don't have to spend our time and energy and focus in this life trying to get wealth because we will end up falling into a snare if we do. We can just trust that God will take care of us. And number two, the church at Smyrna was facing persecution from the outside. And the thing that Jesus told them to do, the way that Jesus told them to respond was by staying faithful to him no matter what the cost. My friends, that is all the time we have for today. I'll be back next week for 2 for 10, part 17. But until then, stay blessed, live loved. I'm Blake Barbera signing off. Thank you so much for watching and listening to That You May Know Him.